get your Bibles, open to Matthew chapter 2. I want to go through another one of the famous Christmas stories, the accounts that happen. And we're not just looking at these events historically, and we're not just looking at them um, religiously where we think like, oh, that's, oh, that's so beautiful, and that, but it doesn't do anything to affect our heart. That's kind of the religious way to look at things. We're just looking and we're reminding of what God did. We're, we're never allowing God to do anything in us through his word. We're not looking at it through just either of those lenses. We're looking at it, all right, here's the history of what God did. We're looking at it, here's the beauty and the care and the concern that God has for us. And then we're looking at it through a third lens that's saying, all right, God, what do you want me to do now? What do you want me to do? Sometimes it's confessing and repenting something. Sometimes it's a call to action to say, all right, I'm going to step out in faith. Sometimes it's, it's just being obedient to what you're already doing and you're just encouraged to continue on the path that you're at. But always when we're in a place, no matter what church we're ever in, even if it's a funeral service, we're always, when God's word is preached, we put our hearts in the position to say, God, what do you want to do in my life right now? Change me, transform me, convict me, uh, encourage me, uh, bless me, but move me forward. May I be more like Jesus after these moments than I was 20, 30 minutes ago. That's our heart this morning. In Matthew chapter 2, we're reading an account that uh, really has kind of a lot of folklore to it. Um, there's been a lot of, of interpretation to this, and we believe a lot of things about this account that probably never happened or weren't true. So we're going to try to just look at the scripture and base our understanding on what the scripture says, not on anything we've seen in movies or anything we've sung in a Christmas carol. So uh, we'll start reading at verse number nine, and the part we're about to read is about the wise men. Now, it doesn't say there were only three. Um, it doesn't say how many there were. Uh, it just says they come from the east, and uh, that's east of Jerusalem, not east of Dover, and or east of New Hampshire. It's not a bunch of Mainers who traveled um, via John Deere tractors to come and hear about Jesus. I mean, these guys had traveled a long time. They were very, very wealthy. They were very, uh, very. They were brilliant, brilliant uh, individuals who came and traveled to find Jesus. Now. When they had kind of come into the area, they went before King Herod, and they were asking questions. Hey, how do we find the king of the Jews? This infuriated Herod, as, as we'll look at. When they left there, they continued traveling, searching out. Herod didn't know where Jesus was, so they continued searching until they found him. And that's where we're about to read. It says in verse number 9, after this interview that's with King Herod, the wise men went their way. And a star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You can look back up at me. That's what we just read in scripture the first miracle offering. Here you have a bunch of people hearing 
of Jesus meeting him for the first time and being moved to generosity. And their gift in that moment, uh, there's a couple of things about it. One, it was extravagant. This was, this was not... Um, this was not like the gift you bring to a Yankee swap. This was an extravagant gift. The value of the things that they brought, we, because we're not, um, uh, they're not things we're accustomed to other than gold, we don't realize the value. But frankincense in today's modern day value would be about $500 a pound. Myrrh would be about $4,000 a pound. And then gold as of Pricing this week is $17,978 a pound. So these are extravagant gifts that they brought to a child that they've never met before. These are extravagant gifts that they've traveled a long time to be able to give. And we can look at that, we make jokes about frankincense and myrrh, and, and, and we look at that and like, man, that frankincense guy, what a cheapskate. You know, here's one guy giving gold, he's just giving frankincense, and we can look and, and undervalue the gift that people brought. But I think before we even move forward, it would be important to say, don't undervalue the gift that you're bringing today to the miracle offering. Don't undervalue your gift that you give every week when we receive your tithes and your kingdom builders offering. Don't undervalue that. Don't be embarrassed about how much you make and, and, and to think like this isn't going to make any difference because we see throughout scripture that God uses every gift and every per person for his glory. Every single one of us as we're obedient, it is making an eternal impact. So not only was their gift extravagant, but their gift was timely. What happened is after the wise men left, um, Herod was asking them, hey, come tell me, come tell me where you found this, this baby that I could come and worship him too. But he was, he was obviously tricking them uh, because he was uh, very insecure and he wanted to protect his throne. He didn't want there to be another king. So the wise men decided we're not going to go back to Herod. That guy seemed a little off. And when Herod discovered that uh, that the wise men weren't coming back, he ordered, um, he, he ordered an edict throughout the land that every boy aged two and under needed to be killed. And that way he said he couldn't find that one baby, so he's going to kill them all. And uh, he proceeded with that. So what happened is, after the wise men left, uh, God spoke to Joseph and said, you need to get up and you need to flee here. You need to flee from Jerusalem. And they went all the way to Egypt to escape the, the, the slaughter that Herod was pursuing. And how was it that this young couple with a newborn would be able to afford moving themselves, leaving their job and going into a foreign land and, be, and being able to survive and live and care for their family? What was the gifts that the wise men brought? They funded that move. They could have lived in Egypt I'm not sure exactly, it could have been a couple of months, it could have been a couple of years, but they were able to live through that entire time and, um, and survive and set up their household. They were able to do that through the generosity of these guys that they had never met before, through the generosity of these wise men. And 
what we see from this is it was right on time for Mary and Joseph and for Jesus. It was right on time for them, but God had been preparing this gift for quite a, for quite a long time leading up for it. You have these wise men who are from some area in the east who had been studying scripture for many, many years and who knew scripture. So that point when God gave them a miraculous sign showing them a star, they were able to recognize that this was a fulfillment of the scripture that they had been studying. They were able to recognize that this star in the sky is God speaking to them, showing them that he's about to fulfill the scripture. So they begin to prepare for a long journey. And when they, uh, and, and they begin to prepare their gifts that they wouldn't give for, uh, for months or years ahead of time, they packed it all up and began to travel to the point where they found Jesus. So for a couple of years, they had been preparing to give a gift and the gift came right on time. And they had it. Mary and Joseph had it when they needed it. They were able to move forward in what they wanted to do. And today, as we give, we believe that our gift could, uh, we, we believe that, um, that as we're obedient to what God's called us to give, it is an extravagant gift. If you're giving what God's told you to give, that's an extravagant gift. We also believe it's a timely gift. And we could be right now giving for something God wants to do two years from now, but preparing and in the middle of God getting things set up for a miracle he's going to do one day, for a life he's going to save, for a life he's going to rescue, but he's calling us to do it now. And as you give today, we know that this gift will save a life. It will rescue a life. Our gift this morning, our giving every week, is, is part of God's eternal story. It is part of someone's testimony. Now, what does it take to give the gift? Think about those wise men for a second. They are, have brought this extremely valuable gift. It says they opened up their treasure chests, plural. They didn't just bring a, a little bit or, or give Jesus their loose change. I mean, they were, they were giving extravagantly. And two years in preparation, two years in travel, and then they show up and it's just two regular people, Mary and Joseph, and what looks like to be a regular baby. You know, you think at that moment, like, you know, guys, you have a private conversation between the two of them. I'm not sure we've got the right house. I'm not sure this is the right baby. Are we sure we want to give so much to this baby? He doesn't even fly or anything. Like, how do we know this is, this is the one that scriptures talked about? Like, he's, he's not exceptional. He's not, he's like regular he, he looks like every regular baby, a little bit ugly, a little bit cute, but a little bit ugly. He cries like them. He's not talking. He doesn't have the whole Bible memorized. I don't know if we've got the right one. Maybe we shouldn't be so generous. And despite 
the fact that there was no angels in that moment. There was a star that led them to the baby. But once they got there, they're like, maybe the star was wrong. Maybe God didn't speak. Maybe, and these are similar questions we go through anytime we're about to give beyond what we normally give. Maybe God didn't speak this. Maybe I shouldn't give so much. Maybe this isn't going going to be used for what I think it's going to be used for. Maybe, maybe, maybe we begin to talk ourselves out of what God was deliberately leading us into. But here's why the wise men, the magi, were able to give. We see from just this passage of scripture that they knew who Jesus was. They recognized that he wasn't just a baby. He wasn't just a good guy. But their first words to Herod were, where is the newborn king of the Jews? And when they got there and the baby was in a house and not a palace, that didn't change who they knew he was. They recognized this is the newborn king of the Jews. This is the one that scriptures have been talking about. This is the one that changes forever. They knew who he was. Also, they knew his word. When Herod began to ask, what do you mean a, a, a king's been born? They quoted at that point Micah chapter 5 verse number 2. It says, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are you not least among the ruling cities of Judah? For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Here are these guys. They, 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 they didn't grow up in Jerusalem but yet they had a copy of the scriptures that they had been studying and they knew what God's word said about the Messiah. They knew what God's word said about Jesus. So because they knew his word and they knew who he was, they're able to move forward in obedience because they know what, what scripture promises. They know what historical event is taking place in these moments. And we have the same challenge. Do you know who Jesus is? Not some historical figure, not just the, and, 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 and certainly not a fictional person that we celebrate around these holidays, but do you know him? Some of you will recognize him as the God of Christianity, but some of you will recognize him as the savior of your soul, the forgiver of your sins. You will know him not as the king of the Jews, but you will know him as your king. And when you know Jesus that way, when that changes how you respond to him. Because certainly there were a lot of neighbors uh, where Mary and Joseph were who were saying like, oh, nice baby, congratulations, and went about on their way. But then there were the Magi who knew him, and when they saw him, they bowed. When they saw him, they worshiped. Do you know him? They knew his word. Do you know his word? We, we can be challenged. We are always challenged in our culture with materialism, with greed, with selfishness, with security, we are always challenged with that. And 
But when we know his word, we know that everything we have is his already. And he's loaned it to us. When you know his word, we know that as we give, so it will be given to us. When we know his word, we know that God is the one who supplies all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We're not the one who supplies all our needs. We're able to give and be generous and be obedient to what, we're, what we feel he's calling us to, even when it does not make any sense. Because we, we have his word to stand on and to trust and to follow. So not only did they know who he was, not only did they know his word, this is kind of key to this. How were they able to give? They just started out on their journey. They packed their bags and they started. It was a long journey. They followed the star. You're, you and your life, you're following what God's spoken to in your heart. They just started. I've got this dream in my heart and we're going to begin. We talked about it as our church. We have a dream to one day give a million dollars a year outside of our regular giving to, to uh, kingdom builders that we will make um, uh, a significant impact around the world. And we started our journey saying in 2019, we're going to give $50,000. And it can seem so stupid that we want to get that far, but we're starting so little but, but that 50000 is more than we've ever done. And we're going to start the journey together. Believing this is something God has for us. This is something God wants for us. And just a few small steps, we're going to start going. And after a couple weeks, we're going to keep going. And after uh, a few months, we're going to keep going. We're just going to go on the journey that he's called us on. And those wise men, they knew Jesus. They saw the miracle of the star. They knew his word. But they never would have seen the miracle of Jesus if they hadn't set out on a journey to give him those gifts. If they hadn't set out on a journey to see him face to face. If they hadn't set out on the journey to witness him and to be a part of it. In your journey of bringing gifts to him, to the miracle offering, in your regular giving every week, in your journey of bringing gifts to him, you will see miracles that you would not see otherwise. One of the reasons why Mike Eunice was able to have a miracle this week is because he was praying about, God, what would you have us to give? And he felt like God put something in his heart and he began to pray, God, how can we do this? How can we do this? How can we do this? It was on that journey it was on that journey where then he saw a miracle he wouldn't have seen otherwise. Because if he hadn't been praying, God, what you, you want us to give, God wouldn't have spoken to him the number to give. And if he hadn't have been praying, God, this is not something we can do. How are we going to do this? Then he wouldn't have gotten the miracle of seeing the check. Because what would have happened is um, without that thought and that pursuit and that journey toward what God wants, he, he just opens his mailbox, pulls out a check and said, oh, they finally paid me. And just goes about business. He would have missed the miracle of God showing him, hey, I've got something for you. I've got something for you to be a part of. I want to use you in what I'm doing around the world. It's a, it's a, big, it's a big step for us to say, God, I want to be used by you, but I don't know how. God, I want to give, but I don't have anything to give. God, I want my faith to be stretched, but... 
but I don't know what's me and what, what's you, and, and I don't want to go before you, and I don't want to stay behind you. God, what do you want me to do? And then that starts the journey of God showing you who he is and what he can do and what his heart is. They, the wise men, you know, we talked about Advent meaning coming. The wise men gave and, and prepared their gifts in anticipation of his arrival. They knew he would be born or he had been born at that point and they were traveling to see him. We give this morning in anticipation of his coming again. We know there will be a second time he returns and so we are preparing that. That there will be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle that the, that the Lord will receive when he returns. We are giving in anticipation of his return. When we think about the problems that face the world, God always sends a person to that problem. No matter what problem there is facing in the world, God sends a person to that problem so that he would have the opportunity to do a miracle. It's the way he works. I don't think we understand it. God, why are you sending us? Why are you having me preach every week? Shouldn't you have an angel preach every week? I mean, they've seen you face to face. Surely they could do a better job than me. But God, when he sees a problem, he sends a person. The problem in your community, the problem in the world, God sends people to those problems that he can use those people to do a miracle. And uh, the, the problem that we see around the world, the, the people that God are sending to those problems, it's us. It's us. He's sending you. He's sending me. He's sending Restoration Church. He's sending other believers around the world to those problems that he could do a miracle. And we, as we are here today, we think about everything that's happening, everything that's going on. It's our desire to be a part. It's our desire to be used. It's our desire to help people to know Jesus. And there's all kinds of examples of this. God needed to have Jesus born uh, being fully God, but also fully human. And so he came to Mary and he said, hey, I need you to be a part of a miracle. When Goliath was standing for the people of Israel, mocking them and making fun of them and making fun of God, God sent David to stand before and say, hey, we're not going to let them mock God. And God used David to do a miracle. When there was an Ethiopian eunuch who was reading the book of Isaiah and he had questions about it, God sent Philip to him to tell him about Jesus and to connect all the dots. And then the Ethiopian eunuch gave his life to Jesus and was water baptized. God, for every problem going on in the world, God sends one of his people to the problem and works a miracle through them. Now there was one problem in the world that there was no person he could send to fix, and that was the problem of sin. When you read the Bible, you, you see that, G, that God sent angels, he sent prophets, he sent priests, he sent kings, he sent um, uh, all kinds of people to declare his word, to show God's um, need for holiness, to show um, 
the, the need for righteousness before him, but there is no one who could solve that problem of sin. And this is why God sent his son. And this is part of the, 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 the theology of understanding why did Jesus become man. God always sends a person to solve the problem. So when there was no person qualifying to solve the problem of sin, Jesus put on flesh and became one of us that he could solve the problem that none of us ever could. The sin stain on our own life. One of the most famous Bible verses um, is John 3.16, and I'll read it out of the New Living Translation, and it says this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is another miracle. And this is the good news that we share with our friends on Christmas. This is the good news that is being sung about in every retail store and on every Christmas special that you're, that you're watching on, on Netflix. This is the good news that we share. This is the reason why we give. Every week, why we give to the miracle offering, why we give for the rest of our lives because he is the only way that people can receive eternal life he is the only way that people can receive forgiveness for their sins he is the only way that people can receive uh, heaven and receive a relationship with God so we give we give a miracle offering that is good news will be told throughout 